Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we'll go over the topic of common eye injuries from the ophthalmology section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 27-year-old man presents to the emergency department after, quote, feeling an object entering his eye while hammering a metal nail into the wall. He reports mild discomfort in his right eye but denies any changes in his vision. On physical exam, no visual acuity deficit is appreciated. Slit lamp examination with fluorescent staining demonstrates a small penetrating wound injury. A computerized tomography or CT scan of the eye demonstrates a hyperdense lesion within the vitreous cavity. This patient was diagnosed with an intraocular foreign body. Now, let's get into the episode. So in this podcast, we'll go over eyelid lacerations, corneal abrasions, chemical injury, intraocular foreign body, and corneal ulcers. So starting with eyelid lacerations, this is defined as a lesion affecting the eyelid. The pathogenesis involves a blunt or penetrating injury affecting the eyelid, for example, a child hitting their eyelid on a chair. On presentation, physical exam may reveal laceration to the eyelid. As far as the management approach, the mechanism of injury must be elucidated in order to determine if there are any other accompanying injuries, for example, globe injury and the presence of an intraocular foreign body. A CT scan of the eye is indicated to determine the presence of a foreign body, globe rupture, orbital fracture, or a retrobulbar hemorrhage or hematoma. This requires emergent lateral canthotomy to reduce intraocular pressure. The treatment of eyelid laceration includes tetanus prevention, antibiotics, and laceration repair. Tetanus prevention is indicated in patients with eyelid lacerations. Modalities include a tetanus immunoglobulin in patients who have never been immunized, and as far as tetanus toxoid, this should be given in patients who have not been immunized in the preceding 10 years and in patients who have not been immunized in the preceding 5 years and have an uncleaned wound or a puncture wound. Antibiotics are indicated in patients who have an eyelid laceration secondary to animal bites. Proper wound irrigation is needed. An important point to mention is that patients may need rabies prophylaxis depending on the circumstances surrounding the laceration. Laceration repair is typically indicated in all patients with an eyelid laceration. Moving on to corneal abrasion, this is defined as damage to the corneal epithelium secondary to trauma. As far as the pathogenesis, the etiology could be secondary to trauma, whether physical or chemical, dry eye, intraocular foreign body, or contact lenses. As far as the presentation, Symptoms of corneal abrasion include severe eye pain, photophobia, patients may mention that they have a foreign body sensation in the affected eye that prevents the opening of the eye. As far as the management approach for corneal abrasion, patients should have a complete eye examination and an open globe must be ruled out. Fluorescent staining and slit lamp examination confirms the diagnosis. Culture is very rarely performed, however the most common pathogen is coagulase negative staphylococcus. Treatment of corneal abrasion depends on the cause. For example, if the corneal abrasion is caused by a foreign body, the foreign body is removed. Topical antibiotics are used to address the risk of infection in patients with corneal abrasion. Medications include erythromycin, ointment is preferred, as well as fluoroquinolone or tobramycin. Erythromycin ointment is used in patients with corneal abrasion secondary to foreign body, trauma, and or recurrent abrasion. Fluoroquinolone or tobramycin is used in patients with corneal abrasion secondary to contact lenses. Moving on to chemical injury, this is defined as exposure to a chemical irritant. As far as the pathogenesis of acid chemical injury, this could be secondary to hydrochloric acid in pool cleaners, as well as sulfuric acid in car batteries. Know that acid can denature proteins in the cornea. Alkali chemical injuries could be secondary to cleaning solutions, for example, ammonia and lye, fertilizers, as well as direct surface damage. 
know that alkali chemicals can also penetrate the cell membrane, which is lipophilic, causing injury to deeper structures in the globe of the eye. As far as the treatment of chemical injury, the initial management involves immediate irrigation with tap water or saline. Be sure that you do not use acid or alkali solutions, and do not delay irrigation to contact a medical provider or go to the emergency department. Further management depends on severity of injury as assessed by an ophthalmologist. This often includes a topical antibiotic to prevent superinfection. It may also include a topical steroid to decrease inflammation. And for severe injury, debridement of necrosis may be indicated. Moving on to intraocular foreign body, this is defined as a foreign body found within the eye. The pathogenesis involves a foreign body that traverses the eye, for example, metal rods and shattered glass. Most cases are a metallic foreign body and are found in the vitreous cavity. As far as the presentation, patients may describe feeling an object entering the eye, and it may not alter vision. Physical exam may find an entering wound. As far as studies to obtain, a slit lamp examination with fluorescent stain is performed. A CT scan of the eye is indicated to locate the intraocular foreign body, and this is the imaging study of choice. Know that the intraocular foreign body or vitreous humor may be cultured when infection is suspected. Treatment of intraocular foreign bodies include antibiotic therapy, tetanus prophylaxis, and ophthalmic surgery. Antibiotic therapy is indicated to address the risk of infection and may be started before surgery is initiated. Tetanus prophylaxis is used depending on the patient's tetanus immunization status. Ophthalmic surgery is indicated as definitive treatment to remove the foreign body. Finally, moving on to corneal ulcer, this is defined as an ulcer of the cornea commonly caused by bacteria. The pathogenesis involves a bacterial infection from trauma or extended contact lens use. The presentation of a corneal ulcer includes symptoms of profound eye pain and impaired vision. Physical exam may find a red eye without unique findings and impaired vision. Important studies include a slit lamp exam with fluorescent stain, which will have uptake in the corneal ulcer with an oval, ragged border lesion. Treatment of corneal ulcers includes topical antibiotics and surgical debridement. Topical antibiotics include ciprofloxacin for contact lens wearers, which covers for Pseudomonas aeruginosa. Surgical debridement is emergently performed. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic can be tested. First question. A 25-year-old man presents to the emergency department for severe right eye pain. A few hours prior to presentation, the patient was cleaning his backyard. After placing a metal crate full of wood and rocks onto the ground, he felt a small object fall into his right eye. Since then, he has been unable to open his eye due to pain. He does not wear glasses or contact lenses. On physical exam, there is conjunctival erythema and upper eyelid edema. His right pupil appears myotic, but is reactive to light. He has a visual acuity of 20-20 in the left eye and 20-30 in the right eye. Ophthalmology is consulted, and there is evidence of a corneal abrasion appreciated with fluorescent dye. Topical anesthesia is applied to the right eye, and the patient undergoes aggressive irrigation. What is most likely to be found on microbiological testing of the corneal foreign body? And the choices are 1. Coagulase negative gram-positive cocci, 2. Facultative anaerobic gram-positive bacilli, 3. Gram-negative diplococci, 4. Oxidase-positive non-lactose-fermenting gram-negative bacilli, and 5. Weakly acid-fast gram-positive branching filamentous bacilli. The correct answer to this question is 1. Coagulase-negative gram-positive cocci. So this patient developed a corneal abrasion secondary to a foreign body. 
The most common pathogen seen in the culture of a corneal foreign body is a coagulase-negative gram-positive cocci, like staphylococci. To quickly review, a corneal abrasion is due to a disruption of the corneal epithelium secondary to mechanical trauma to the eye, for example, foreign body. Patients typically present with severe eye pain, photophobia, and foreign body sensation in the eye. Patients may have reactive meiosis in the affected eye and will have difficulty opening the eye due to pain. Fluorescent dye will highlight the corneal defect. Culturing the corneal foreign body is rarely performed. However, the most common pathogen grown is coagulase-negative staphylococci. Other common organisms include streptococci, pseudomonas, and homophilus species. The treatment of choice is aggressive irrigation of the eye and empiric topical antibiotics, for example, erythromycin ointment and trimethoprim polymyxin B. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 2, facultative anaerobic gram-positive bacilli can be seen in Listeria monocytogenes infection, which can result in septicemia, spontaneous abortion in pregnancy, and meningitis in patients who are immunocompromised. Answer 3, gram-negative diplococci, describes Neisseria gonorrhea infection. Neisseria gonorrhea can result in bacterial keratitis and is seen in gonococcal infection via sexual transmission or a fetus passing through the birth canal. Answer 4, oxidase-positive, non-lactose-fermenting, gram-negative bacilli describes pseudomonas infection. Pseudomonas infection of the eye is most likely to appear in patients who use contact lenses. Finally, answer 5, weakly acid-fast, gram-positive, branching filamentous bacilli describes a nocardia infection, which can result in pulmonary and central nervous system infections in immunocompromised patients. To leave you with the bullet summary, the most common pathogen seen in corneal foreign body culture is coagulase-negative gram-positive cocci, specifically staphylococci. And moving on to the final question. A 32-year-old physician is cleaning his pool when he splashes the hydrochloric acid in his left eye. He feels immediate pain and burning. His eye starts to tear profusely, and he can barely open it. His medical history is significant for psoriasis. He is farsighted and has glasses for reading and computer work. He uses topical calcipotriene and topical triamcinolone as needed. His only surgery was a tonsillectomy as a child. He's married and has one son who is healthy. His mother has Graves' disease. He drinks a glass of wine with dinner but denies tobacco or recreational drug use. Which of the following is the best initial step in management? And the choices are 1. Apply topical bacitracin. 2. Call the patient's ophthalmologist. 3. Go to the emergency department immediately. 4. Irrigate with alkali solution. And 5. Irrigate with tap water. The correct answer to this question is 5. Irrigate with tap water. So the patient's left eye was exposed to acid. The best initial step in management is to irrigate the eye with a neutral solution such as tap water. To quickly review, acute chemical injuries of the eye are medical emergencies. Acidic chemicals such as pool cleaning solution or car battery fluid can denature proteins in the cornea, causing damage. Alkali chemicals such as household cleaning solutions and fertilizers cause not only direct surface damage, but may also penetrate the cell membranes to cause injury to deeper globe structures. The first step in the management of chemical exposures of the eye is irrigation with saline or tap water. Timely irrigation to flush out the chemical and attempt to neutralize the pH of the eye is the most important step in treatment and in preventing further damage. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, applying topical bacitracin may be part of the eventual treatment for a chemical injury of the eye. However, irrigation of the eye should occur first, followed by an evaluation by a physician and or ophthalmologist. An antibiotic ointment is usually used to prevent bacterial superinfection. Answer 2, calling the patient's ophthalmologist would delay irrigating the eye and flushing out the chemical, which would be the first immediate step in management. 
Answer 3, going to the emergency department, even if immediately after the exposure, would still delay irrigation of the eye, which is the most important initial step in management. Finally, answer 4, irrigating with alkali solution should not occur. Even though the patient had an acid exposure, irrigating with an alkali chemical would cause additional damage. To leave you with the bullet summary, chemical exposures to the eye should be treated immediately with tap water or saline irrigation without delay, even before contacting or going to a medical professional. That's all for this review about common eye injuries. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.